0: Hello and welcome to Kids from Yesterday. This is an emo podcast that's gonna be all about emo culture. Every week we're gonna do a deep dive into facets of emo culture that interest us. So
1: I'm Courtney. And I'm Cloda and today we are gonna be talking about why emo is not a phase. Yes!
0: My podcast written here, so, um, well, basically
1: me and Clodagh were talking the other day about, what were we talking about? I think we were talking about, as typically we were talking about diet culture, and how, when we were like teenagers, the only bodies that we had to admire were like, or like look up to, were like thin white women and we were kind of talking about how I had never seen kind of bodies that look like mine because when I was a teenager and I was going through my emo phase I was like a size 16 to 18 and how in Kerrang! which was the only magazine I ever bought or on the Kerrang! TV I didn't see any bodies that look like mine so we kind of started talking about that um, and then I kind of just the idea I think from there. Came. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: I remember screaming at you through Instagram messages. Can <laughs> we do an emo podcast? Um, and you agreed for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely that's a topic that we were just talking about there that we want to do a deep dive in at some point. Um, kind of talk about that aspect of emo culture because I think like fashion and like the whole that whole aspect of it was such a huge thing. thing. Yeah. Um, like if you were. If you were emo as a kid, you had the hair and you had the clothes, and you dress like Hayley Williams or you dress like, you know, Jared Way, and th- yeah. there was no real in between, and like both of those people were thin and white
1: and, and cisgender. And- yeah,
0: so there was a lot of stuff like that that when you look back at it now, you're like, why well, there really wasn't very much variety for us. So we definitely want to talk about that at some point. But um, why podcast? <laughs> 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 to answer that
1: question, um. Something else we've kind of been thinking, I, I know, at least, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but in the days leading up to kind of that conversation, I've been thinking about how My Chemical Romance had like gotten the blame for a spate of suicides. Our, yes. And self-harm. That. And there was this whole thing in the Daily Mail. I know they like had a concert in London at some point after that where they were all chanting, you know, F the Daily Mail. Um, And we I kind of been thinking, isn't that just bizarre that they, this band got, the blame for something that was completely irrelevant and people i guess from the outside looking in parents adults were you know air quotes concerned about it yeah but they were taking it up completely wrong yeah i just didn't understand <laughs> it wasn't a fail yeah. but it, it was interesting
0: i mean it's the same thing as marlon manson getting blamed for like murderers and serial killers yeah and stuff. it's that real we don't understand this um satanic panic thing. Yeah. And you have a bunch of kids covered in eyeliner, as I am today. Yeah. And um, it it pained me to paint eyeliner around my face. Like it's everywhere. <laughs> it's never coming <laughs> off. But that was, I imagine, to a lot of parents, confusing. And, and then strange. you have Yeah. And then the only reference you have are all those shows that were like this emo did it. Yeah. And you always have like the weird kids that hang out in a, a house in the middle of nowhere with like know pentagrams painted on the walls and like fuck satan and you know like stuff like that so you can you can see why but it is ridiculous so it's interesting to see bands that were kind of intrinsically linked with like mental health issues which again is something else you want to talk about maybe in a future episode um but there really was that whole fear i guess that kids were listening to this music and becoming depressed instead of a bunch of sad kids find artists that heard them and said to them, "You know, this is okay," or in my Hems' it's case, okay. they, that they're not okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> um, but you, you do have that, yeah, thing where that was. I mean,
1: like, what got you into emo music? For me, I think, it, yeah, it started around, it started. <laughs> <laughs> it all started around 20, no, 2006, I'd say, was when I like, first got into my chem. Uh, 2006, 2000, I think it was 2000, 2006, I'll say. I can't really remember. Um, and I started listening to My Chemical Romance um, mainly because I used to stay up all night watching music channels. And I remember staying up until schools would play the My cam songs and then I'd go to bed suppose, um, yeah that's not a thing anymore which I only recently found out um but yeah I got into it that way and then you know as I started secondary school you know the people in my class were into high school musical and they were into Chris Brown and I kind of you know as much as I kind of tr- you know as you do when you start secondary school you try and fit in with everyone else in your class and I had got an interest in kind of organ music and high school musical but I was still really into My Chem and Follight Boy, and then I met a couple of people in the year below me who were like really into My Chem and Follight Boy. I was like oh my god these people I've met people who are into the same music as me and I kind of from there progressed and then I guess with Twilight when I read the saga um, and Paramore did a song with them I was introduced to Paramore, and they became my favourite band my favourite emo band um, but yeah but it's always been just there yeah, uh, Levine. Oh, Avril Lavigne busted I think for everyone it goes back to busted <laughs> were you busted in McFly girl oh no
0: I was a busted girl okay I for years I refused to even acknowledge McFly because I was like they're a rip off of busted <laughs> like as if you know three yeah. piece boy bands didn't exist before that as if they weren't a rip off of like blink and like blink were rip ripoff of like green day and stuff yeah um but like to child me i was like i love busted and like fly so yeah i was the same yeah. um and then i discovered ava Levine as well and i know, discovered is like she was on the radio yeah <laughs> there wasn't much discovery there but um i really liked her and then um something happened and i got really into link park um actually I think part of that like going back to Twilight like I was really into the books before the film happened mm. and Stephanie Meyer had a website and she used to make playlists for each of the books so she had Muse and she had Linkin Park and she had a bunch of other bands that I'd never heard of so I would have been like 13 I think and I remember one Christmas I was like can I have all these Linkin Park albums and one of my aunts being like what <laughs> <laughs> you were a child um, but that was kind of like the first thing. And I, I do remember I was the same in school. Like, you just want to fit in. Yeah. But I was kind of looking for people who liked all this stuff. Um, And then somebody, when I was in first year, mentioned Fall Out Boy. It was actually the year they went on hiatus. Oh. She'd gone to see them. And I was like, who the hell are Fall Out Boy? And then I heard some of this. Oh, no, that's, that's a lie. I knew who Fall Out Boy were. So there was a a now sixty something or now fifty. What would have been a now forty maybe? I yeah. don't know. But it had the same scene. It's an arms race on it. And I remember listening to it and thinking, like that was the first time I'd ever heard a song for what it was, as opposed to just yeah, like oh I like the music to this or I like this. Like I actually heard the lyrics, um, and it was kind of my introduction to poetry. I guess so I got yeah. really like deep and emo into these things <laughs> yeah. before I'd even realized I had so um. But, like, I had never thought about going to see these bands because that just wasn't... I didn't have any friends who liked them. So, yeah. like, going to a concert was completely beyond me. So a girl in, in school was like, oh, I saw Out Boy, and now they've, they've gone on hiatus. And I was like, first of all, what the hell's a hiatus? If <laughs> <laughs> only I knew. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, like, second of all, like, I didn't know that was even a possibility. So um, I think I discovered Paramore at the same time as you, like, with the whole Twilight thing and yeah. doing decode and i caught myself um i was kind of late to the my chem game i think which is really interesting like there was people i went to school with who again were absolutely like so into my chem, mm. and i just i don't know i don't know what stopped me from but like at the same time i was trying to like listen to kanye west and yeah. all these other people that like i have opt- you know interest in now but that at the time i was like yeah other people talk about this stuff i, I want to listen to this too um i did eventually find people though I yeah. did. Like all the stuff I liked. And that was kinda like where I found Panic of the Disco. And, yes. Um God, I can't even think of any of them really. Like those are kind of the main ones. Yeah. I actually found my old iPod the other day and I looked at the music on it and it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> it is the exact same stuff that i listen to now they had like two other bands on it that i don't listen to anymore yeah remember young guns yeah yeah young guns and orson because i really oh like
1: yes they had that one song yesterday the... or no tomorrow, tomorrow? tomorrow. yeah
0: no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday or tomorrow <laughs> yeah that was that was the only difference everything else was like all time low oh yeah i forgot to mention my faves yeah. um all-time low um i am a sad all-time low stan i've seen them 20 times and i don't want to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> but like your paramours you're like
1: yeah paramour are Bay is like i like what you said with this is in scene when i kind of first i like heard of misery business because i was somebody who like i did like my cam i did like Fallout boy and i would like watch Kerrang and scores to try and find that music at the same time i was watching the box really shamefully so I was really into Chris Brown um I was really into still really into Beyonce like just kind of into like R&B but also into emo like my iPod would have been really really mixed at the time yeah so I kind of was like I fit in here but I also fit in here with emos and I guess I kind of progressed more towards that because They understood me like they were really, really into this music, and because I had been kind of into it, but also uh, as an outsider, as somebody who was the only person who was kind of into it, um, my interests were elsewhere. But I remember in first year, I actually went to meet Gary Barlow from Take That. Wow. And the picture in the picture is me, and I'm wearing like a red and white top. I have like a black waistcoat on and there's a little tiny green day badge on it oh i'm dressed in the colors of american idiot i'm like staying true to myself but also you know hanging out with gary barlow, with gary barlow <laughs> you know
0: so i guess trying to define what emo actually is is really difficult
1: yeah it's different i think per, per like between different people i guess like the american sense of the word um, might be something completely different to what it is here. I know at least you know, in Ireland or at least in my group, the kind of the emo kids they didn't just listen to emo music. We also listened to a lot of pop punk, yeah. um, and I don't know if that would have blended in in America as well as it does here. Um, I guess because here at least anyway, I think emo is defined by what's on Kerrang. Yeah, and there was a lot of Good Charlotte. There was a lot of Sum Forty One. Um, puddle of mud. All that kind of stuff, and as well, then you have like the the got music, like Marilyn Manson, um, Metallica, or the metal music that was kind yeah. of blending in with the emo scene as well. But it's definitely we didn't have that distinction, I don't
0: think. Like a lot of yeah. you see on like American MySpace and on Tumblr now, even they had a distinction between emo and scene kid. And I guess like yes. for considering the bands I listened to, I probably would have been more scene than emo, but the people I hung around with. Like, I mean, to me, the pinnacle of emo is my chem. Yes, definitely. And I I even, I'm like, oh, here's all these other bands that I listen to. Like, when you talk about emo, you talk about my chem. Um, But we were also limited in who came to play here, I think, as well. Like, even in England, like, they had a lot more bands and, like, a lot more venues. And even if they only played in London, you could still travel down, whereas here it was kind of a bunch of bands came... Kind of around 2010, 2011, 2012. And then nothing. And still kinda of nothing. Like we kinda of go through phases of who comes here and who doesn't. Yeah. And even on like revival tours or um like anniversary tours we're kind of skipped over a lot. Um
1: you made six will never forget us though.
0: I hope not. <laughs> I mean he was done <laughs> the last time the last time they played here, he was like, We'll probably never come back here again. Yeah, yeah that was nice. Thanks sad. Josh. <laughs> really, really appreciate that. Um, uh, still don't know what he meant. Whether
1: he was thinking like Brexit or he was just thinking can't be arsed with this or Is it because it's so expensive to bring Did he say that on stage or is this a thought I had? I this is like my I... life. Is it a this is something somebody said or is it something I thought But did he say on stage like it's too expensive to bring equipment over? I don't think so. Okay, but maybe, maybe that was he'd a said that I had.
0: before. Like I know um like some, like on tangent time. Um I know smaller bands so there's a band called Mallory Knox who I really like I I fucking fucking love them so much but I remember talking to them somewhere and being like can not you come play a show in Ireland and they were like we've looked into it before like the last few tours we've done and it's just not worth it because of the cost of the venue and the cost of bringing over the equipment it just they were Uh. like we'd end up losing money and he's like we can't even guarantee that we'd sell enough
1: tickets to make it worthwhile so they were like Sorry. Yeah, maybe it was you then who said it to me afterwards. Oh, I feel like we spoke about it afterwards and you were like, you must have said that to me. Because I don't see how my brain would like come go there to think about, yeah. I don't know,
0: did, um, yeah, maybe I did come up with that. So I don't, I, don't
1: <laughs> I really don't remember. Um,
0: But like getting back to what defining emo as, like I do think it's interesting that there's a whole culture where your clothes and your hair and what you listened to were identifiable so you could see somebody else in the street and even if they didn't have like the full fringe or like multicolored hair or the weird clipping raccoon extensions you'd still know that's an emo yeah that's one of my people and I think that was always something that really interested me.
1: yeah actually I was when I was standing on O'Connell Street earlier I was kind of looking around to see like I was just looking at pe- what people were wearing and I was trying to pick out in my head like okay who around me? might identify as emo or at one point identified as emo so like I, th- I feel like it's a bit harder now to define like to pick somebody out as an emo because not only are we kind of not gone past the emo stage if that makes sense yeah i mean
0: for? like the actual era i guess the era well the like a lot of people wear the clothes now so it's not
1: yeah, so like a lot more people would wear Converse, and a lot more people would wear Doc Martins. Whereas back during the emo era, those oh, yeah. were things that were reserved for emos. If you wore Converse, you were an emo, and people whereas would make now, fun of you. Exactly. Whereas now, every second person is wearing Vans. Everyone's wearing Converse. Um, skinny jeans are huge. Um, and yeah, that's like the check shirts and all that kind of stuff. That is something that I would have worn a lot of, and yeah. like looked around for people you know, in the nav and emo scene <laughs> 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 to see who else was, like, one of my people. Um, But, yeah, I think it's a bit harder now to pick them out of a crowd. Yeah. But definitely it was something, like, hugely defined. And I guess as well, it goes with, like, punk rock. Um, You can tell a punk rocker, well, from then at least. Yeah. You know, a mile off. Uh, mohawks, leather, all those kind of things. And definitely it's the same with emo.
0: Yeah, I think even now like the the whole idea of like a punk would wear like patched jackets and yeah. that's a big thing now everybody does it. Or like, you know, you have you have facial piercings, you must be a goth, whereas like everyone has their nose pierced,
1: including yeah. me. Um and tattoos as well. Yeah. Wrist tattoos especially were I feel like a big thing for the emo era. Um, notably a phrase that was two words, one on each wrist. Yeah. Or stars. But, ah, the stars, yeah, remember those the black and red stars. I'm really glad I never did that. Same. <laughs> um, and I definitely think that they were things that again were reserved for goths, emos, and um, but now they're just, you know, they've kind of floated into the mainstream and they're everywhere.
0: Yeah, so it's it's really hard to define what it is now. Yeah. Compared to what it was then. It was very, very much a weirdos in the back of the classroom and everybody thought they were weird and would say it several times a day not yeah. speaking from experience or anything but you could see it and they'd all kind of migrate towards each other whereas now i don't think that's maybe it's not even as necessary anymore like i do think it was partially a survival thing yeah back in the day because there was such a stigma and like having poor mental health compared like we're talking like even back in 2012 when did you finish school 2011 yeah so i finished in 2012 and even back then couldn't talk about being depressed whereas like my sister goes to the school i went to and she said it's much better now and they talk a lot more openly about Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um and they're a lot more accepting of like lgbtq um students whereas when i was in school that was not discussed but you could kind of see an overlap between all Mm. the emo kids and the ones who were like lgbt so i do think maybe in part it was a survival thing like we had our way of distinguishing ourselves so that we could find other people like ourselves yeah. and it wasn't I don't think anybody ever decided oh let's all wear this like we also thought it was cool it's not like <laughs> I'm gonna put on my survival gear right now but it it did help I think you'd always know like oh hey I can talk to you about this band yeah most likely um but there was some people who were like if they were super into my cam, and you were like oh I like All Time Low they'd be like oh God. God, they're such <laughs> sellouts. Like, I do remember somebody laughing at me for saying All Time Blow is my favorite band. I oh. like, All Time Blow. And I'm like, they call themselves that. It's not like, it's not it's an not insult. No. Yeah. Like, they fully know how terrible they are. Um, and I fully know how terrible they are, but I still yeah. love them very
1: much. Um, but it's just, I do think it's interesting that that's. Yeah, definitely. And even, like, I think the great thing about it as well, this actually happened to me, um, like, a few months ago in, when I was in work and this girl. She was like chatting away to me. She did like and she was like 19. She was in like N C D and she was talking to me about music. And I had just gone to see Yumi at Six do their tenure their ten year um take off your colours anniversary show. And I was t- she was talking to me, like, Oh, I'm an emo, and I like my chem and everything like this. And she yeah, like I said, she was like 19. And I was like, Oh, have you ever heard of Yumi at Six? And she was like, No, who are they? And I have to like, uh, she made me like write down the name on her phone so she can look them up. And I was like, oh my god, she's emo, which she doesn't know who you mean at six are. Um, but as well as that, I think being able to cl- like cluster to each other and find each other, we're able to find new bands. Yeah. And as much as I envy like the eighties, everyone going to record stores, you know, as they romantically do in John Hughes films. <laughs> um, I think we had a kind of a cool thing going on as well, in that you'd find a band, you'd go home and you'd download their music, you'd, you'd find it somewhere, usually. illegally, yeah. and you'd download it, and it was on your iPad, and I think that was a really fun time. And whereas now, Spotify, there's no such thing as listening to a whole album anymore. Yeah. Um, you listen to a single here and there, but kind of back in the emo era, you would download the whole album, and you'd listen to it from cover to cover, yeah. because you wanted to see if these would... You know, like If they were any good or yeah. if
0: this was something you could add to your... I mean, that was something as well that really appealed to me. I got bored with pop music. And, like, yeah. pop music is designed to be boring after a while. It fits into a very specific time period mm-hmm. and a very specific sort of style. Um, So when everybody else was listening to music and was like, oh, they, this person's really good or they, these are great, I'd get bored after maybe, like, ten or so listens. And mm-hmm. then the first time I kind of listened to any of these bands, I kind of realised there's no trend. Yeah. Um. And I do think that has changed now, that a lot of bands, especially ones on major labels, have kind of fit into a trend. Um. It's so like all the, the main guys, like Fall Out Boy and Panic! at the Disco, like they change kind of with the general mainstream trend. Yeah. Um, and it's keeping them afloat, it's keeping them with new audiences, because obviously us aging emos aren't going <laughs> to keep them alive forever. But it, it is interesting how... People kind of switch genres now. Like remember the whole Five Seconds of Summer thing, and like all those kids were like previous One Direction fans, and they just scooped up a new, a whole new yeah, Yeah. based on kind of, kind of being pop punk, but kind of not. Yeah. Um. But all those kids would identify as emo, and I remember like being on Twitter, and they'd all be like, "Oh my god!" Like flannel shirts and skinny jeans are like the Five Seconds of Summer uniform. Like you wear one, you know you can find another Five Seconds of Summer fan. And it was really weird, but it was so weird seeing it because of what we've just said. Yeah, that used to be a very specific, like, oh, that person probably likes Fallout Boy. Yeah. Whereas they had this their own little like, this is how I find my people. Yeah. Um, and like I think being in that emo space, I mean, I did my thesis on fandoms. I'm super into the concept of Mm -hmm. like I have a psychology degree. It's not it's not very useful, (laughs) (laughs) but I did it on fandoms and on like the people who are involved in fandom spaces and it has always fascinated me the way we kind of gravitate so i wasn't like i was kind of on live journal and kind of on my space but like for some reason as a child i was like these can't possibly like a child i was 14 but like these can't possibly be pete wentz this can't actually be hayley williams and I don't know why I doubted it so much. I think it was all that like, you know, everybody's lying on the internet and they're yeah. all like Yeah. So I remember like reading some stuff and being like, That's really cool, but it's clearly not them. Um so I was kind of like out of it a bit. So I'd see yeah. it and like drama would happen and I'd be like, What <laughs> drama? It's not real. Um but you'd see that and it would be like an analog fandom because maybe you'd have somebody in school to talk to you, would have like friends to talk to you, mm-hmm. but you weren't actually entrenched in this community. Yeah, yeah, community. Like, um, it was very offline. So I think like coming online, maybe maybe that's why you don't need the fashion as much anymore. Mm. It has come into like, well, I can just if I have an account that has a Mike M lyric in it or a Follow Boy lyric in it or I tweet these bands, I might be able to find people. Or, like, I yeah. can join... Like, a lot of bands have their own forums and their own, like, fan clubs and stuff. So maybe, I don't know, maybe
1: that's not a thing people need anymore. Yeah, like, I... Definitely, for me, I came into the, kind of, the online world with bands, rather than, like, I went there to find them. Whereas I would have, like, again, had, kind of, a, a fandom... Or a a like for the band offline. But when gave supporter from corporate starship joined twitter in 2008 i remember that's when i joined twitter just so i could follow him i didn't care about following anyone else i just wanted to follow gabe on twitter that was (laughs) it tell me all your thoughts yeah (laughs) and i guess again like with bebo i probably would have been on bebo when i started my emoness um and at that point you're just friends with people you know there's no such thing as you know instagram now you can follow people you don't know you make friends with people that you know maybe are into the same things as you, but you may never meet them. Whereas a Bebo, you, you got to know who from your friends were emo rather than finding emo friends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I get that. And I think now it's a lot different.
1: Yeah. And um, I think that's how we kind of ended up flocking together was we met through another band who are not emo, um, categorically not emo. And we ended up flocking together because we had shared interests in Green Day and Paramore and other bands like that.
0: Yeah, like, I actually don't even remember where I met you first, but my first memory of hanging out with you properly yeah. was in the queue for Green Day. Yeah. So Green Day played Marley Park in 2010. Yeah. Um, and I still, like, think of that as possibly one of the best gigs of my oh life. Oh my god, it, it was, was amazing. It was so good. And it was, like, when... Be- it was before Green Day released Uno Dos and Dry, which we will talk about in detail at some point <laughs> when we do our Green Day special, but um, it was yeah it was around then and so you know it was before they already says in like 2012 or 2013 so this was like post it was 21 guns yeah know? it was it was that. it was the 21 guns tour yeah um and i got to meet paramore that day my friend won like me like a private meet and greet with paramore and ugh, i was too small to appreciate it properly. i was like 15 or 16 or maybe just gone 16 and i remember like shaking all oh the way through it and being like i don't know and I remember my mother, like, freaking out. She was like, you're going to be hanging out with a band, like, by yourself. And I was like, yeah, but they're, like, Christian. And she was like, <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, no, they're good. They, they probably don't even drink. And at the time, I don't think Hayley did. No. She she didn't, because she, she was, like, worried about her voice and stuff. Yeah. So I remember her being like, no, these are, these guys are good. Um. But yeah, then I, I remember coming out after that and sitting on a wall and then going over and queuing. And I ran into you and Nicole mm-hmm. in the queue. And yeah. then you guys were, like, just in front of me for the whole...
1: Yeah, I remember that gig. That was amazing. It was such a good show. And yeah, I remember you telling me that you had just met Paramore, and I was so jealous. <laughs> I didn't end up meeting them myself until like 2013, I'd say. I met them. They played Belsonic in Belfast. Um, and I won um, meet and greet tickets through the oh, fan club. I remember that. Yeah. And it was
0: like two dudes and they were super nice, wasn't it?
1: What the Paramount Fan Club? Like the guys, there was like two guys. Oh no, it. the whatchacallit, the, the American one. No, the Irish one. Oh right, no, I'm. It was through the online fan club. So I paid like thirty or thirty dollars a year or something. Okay, whoa. To, yeah, for the Paramount Fan Club. The all-time low one was five dollars a year. Oh just really? Saying, yeah. Well, Paramount ended up like the next year they ended up like doing yeah, they got it for rid free. Of it. Yeah. And they got rid of it, so I was really annoyed because the only reason I paid this thirty dollars was so that I would be in the running to win tickets to meet them if they ever played here or if they're ever doing that competition um but i only got one ticket so it was just myself but i had other friends who had gone up to belfast with me and they had won tickets as well through the fan club um so we all got to go in and meet them i was so nervous what did you say to them do you even remember what you said
0: um i remember talking to jeremy about he had a lincoln park branded sharpie and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And he, like, launched into this big story about it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're so cool. Um, And I was babbling at Haley about how psyched I was for the show. And I was shaking. And I don't remember what I said. And I was like, oh, my God, your shirt's so cool. And then she, remember Skull Animals? They were like, yes. yeah. And I was like, where, where, where? So there was a lot of that, except their manager. I don't know if it was their manager or somebody who was like, mm, I don't know who she was, but she was really bitchy and mean. And they oh. were like happy to just kind of stand there and chat because like Jeremy and Haley were kind of chatting amongst themselves and like joining us into the conversation. Yeah. Um. Zach was kind of like there, <laughs> as as he as he was often he was just kind of there. And then Josh came out late, said sorry to Haley for being late, and then stood behind us like, just ignoring us and i went over and said hi and he was like oh hi and i was like there's only two of us here and i know we're talking like 500 miles an hour but like we haven't attacked you and like i haven't screamed or like done anything terrible because even when they came out and i said hi i was shaking i was shaking so bad but like i didn't like fangirl or anything i was just trying to keep it all inside i was so proud of myself for being so like stoic <laughs> like i'm so cool and then he came out and he was like oh sorry i'm late to Haley, and she was like yeah cool and then their manager came out and was like we're doing pictures now they have to go and they were kind of like we're just we're just chatting like it's yeah. it's fine so she kind of like hurried them on but i remember like because i loved josh up to that point yeah and then he and i was like wow and it was real like never meet your heroes except Haley was amazing And yeah. she was so sweet and so nice and she like gave us hugs and everything and it was just like it was a it was For never having met a band before, and that being my first experience Mm -hmm. of meeting a band, it was so positive, except for the Josh book, because I remember leaving and being devastated. Yeah, it's definitely a
1: case of don't meet your heroes. I'd never... yeah. Josh and Zach were gone by the time I got to meet them, so it was just Jeremy and Taylor and Haley. And I, I do remember freaking out a little bit. Um, I was chatting to Jeremy. Don't remember what was said because my friend afterwards was like, "Oh my God, is your chatting away? It was great." And I was like, "Were we?" I don't remember. Um, I was shaking. I was really nervous as well. And I remember like when Katie like came to sign. My I had like this Paramore book. Um, I was like, "I like your hair," and I just after as soon as I said, I was like, "Cloda." What have you done? Why did you say that? She gets that all the time. That's probably like the one thing she does not want to hear, like a meet and greet. I was like, "What have I done? I'm so uncool." I said, "I like your hair, Taylor Williams." Like she gets it all the time, so I was super embarrassed about that. But it was it was really good.
0: Yeah, like I think for a band that are that big, um, are constantly getting bigger still. Like they're one of the few bands that are still growing because their sound has changed as they've gone on. Um, and it's one of the few sounds that I believe that's what they wanted to do as opposed to what a big label has gotten, hey, you need to appeal to this audience. Like yeah. I honestly believe that's the music they wanted to write and that's why I still like it. But um for a band that big to be that reasonably cool.
1: Yeah. Um I definitely feel like they have kept their audience yeah. as well. Like fair enough, the last time they came here they played the Olympia Theatre, which is smaller than the a lot smaller than three arena which they've previously played it was a great gig i was front row it was amazing um but they didn't they could have well played the three arena and kept the same audience you know and even brought new people to see them but i i think they sold themselves short about one.
0: yeah i wonder was it just because they hadn't been here for a while you kind of see some bands going well i don't think we'll sell this like venue because I know All Time Low played three, uh, the O2 or Three Arena or whatever the hell it's called.
1: What is it called now? I think it's the Three Arena. Right, so yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm old. Um, They played it and they ended up having to block out all the seats. Because they just, they might as well have played the Olympia. I don't know why they didn't. I
1: didn't know that they played the Three Arena before. They, How long ago was
0: that? That was 2016. Okay. Just delving back into my, <laughs> my All Time Low memories. Yeah. Yeah, 2016. So they had done an arena tour in England. And obviously thought, it's the same. Yeah. And you're like, no, buddy, know, it's not. And the same with, like, they played Balsonic. But everybody from Dublin just travelled up there. And all the people from Belfast who wouldn't normally travel. And some people flew over as well. So, obviously, they sold out Balsonic. Yeah. And then I think they thought, well, we can do something this size in Dublin as well. hmm Because they'd announced their Dublin show. And I was really excited. And everybody that was there was like, I'm fucking travelling
1: down there for that. <laughs> um. Yeah, cause I like although I've seen All Time Low and I have listened to some of their albums that are like really really good like pop emo yeah. music. If i would I'd say that in front of you, Courtney. <laughs> you, um, you can. It's okay, <laughs> I, I really can have take enjoyed it. them, but I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan. Like I, like I said, I would listen to their stuff, but I'm not really. I wouldn't consider them one of my faves anymore. Yeah,
0: no, they're they're still one of my faves. I mean, their last album was Diabolical. I just hated it so much it made me angry Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where i thought you
1: tried something and it just didn't and that's quite upsetting though when your favorite band goes and does something like that because i can't even imagine the heartache i'd have of paramore came out with a shit album see i think for them
0: they've been on fbr for so long yeah all time only recently got signed to feel their so i feel like they were like oh we need to try something new so they had this like 80s electro synth pop sort of pop punk thing that they tried and it was supposed to be like a um concept album Uh, except it wasn't very well put together obviously somebody in like a marketing room was like hey we have this like character and you could write the thing about the character but it's like that only ever worked for my chem
1: yeah and only because jared is a genius absolutely and he's somebody who obviously you can see with the umbrella academy which is on netflix now like he was or is a writer and he knows how to write these intricate stories about yeah. characters whereas you're given all time low they don't really have a background in that i've never seen <laughs> them come out with no anything um
0: like they've I've done they've done one kind of experimental album before and i loved it like people hated it and i hated it when i first heard it but then like it's now my favorite of their albums um and this one was just horrendous like mm. actually disappointing as hell but they're still my faves. I still have small faith that they'll, uh, their next thing, they're going to go back to basics. And they kind of have. They've released a couple of singles and they're kind of more what they used to play. Um, Pyramore is still a fave. Even though Panic of the Disco is now just Brendan Urie. and it, yeah. I mean, it has been for a while, but now that it's admittedly just Brendan, I still love them. I know, I remember I saw something the other day where you were like, I hate their new album. <laughs> and I don't, I don't love it. But I, I, I like some things on it. Yeah, but I don't
1: actively hate it. Their style for every single album that they release, their style has changed. Yeah, like when you go from a few you cancel out to pretty odd, they're so different. And I feel like the second album, pretty odd, is so different because I know Ryan Ross is a massive fan of the Beatles. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he kind of took creative control almost of yeah. that album, um, fuck shit it up and then left the band. Yeah. Um. Their third one was, you know, Vices and Virtues. That was. That's. I think that's my favorite one. Pretty. Uh, yeah. I really like that one. Um. It, they are. Cause I feel like the Ballad of Mona Lisa is like pop but emo. Yes. It's. It, it had radio success at least here in
0: Ireland. Yeah. No. I. I think I agree. Like that was. I mean, that was their single. I think that was the yeah. single they released. Cause I remember before that they had done a song for Jennifer's Body. Yes. I loved that film. Yeah so good. but they him and Spencer. Yes oh, Spencer that was yeah that was when Ryan
1: and John John had left. Walker left I always
0: feel like Ryan thought because he wrote the lyrics before that that if he left them they'd be screwed. Yeah um, and then they weren't because actually Brendan's really good at writing mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I just think he never really got a chance before that. Um, no they're still like like if they were to play here or they were to play somewhere that I could get to um i'd go see them again no brother like i've um i've seen them in england a couple of times like once in the forum in london and i think they played slam dunk as well one year or two and then they played the
1: olympia here a few years ago too yeah that's the only time i've seen them i went to back on my own actually Aww, and it was I incredible were i had so much fun but it was it was Enjoyable because I think the girl beside me was on her own as well. Oh okay. But we didn't really it was like you know, in non-spoken thing. But we were just kind of there, chilling. Like, having a great time. Yeah, yeah. it was such that a. That was a
0: great gig. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Like obviously Fall Out Boy, like I'm not mad on their new stuff, but I feel like Fall Out Boy are like emo dads. Yeah. And they've they've grown with their sound, and it's. I think it's respectful of their original audience yeah. as opposed to being too commercial in some ways like i feel like a lot of their audience is our age and older it's like people in their early 30s yeah. were into fallout boy because mm-hmm. they were like the original um emo band so i do think that what they've done is they they've grown with their own sound and they're kind of going well we're in our 30s and we're dads and we're getting older here's music we'd like to listen to but that still respects like mm-hmm. the lyrical thing that got people interested in the first place. So I, I can respect it even if I don't love it. Yeah. Um and then obviously Mike Kim
1: they are yeah like we're in 2019 right now. 2019, yeah. Um they their last album was set in 2019, um Danger Days. Was it? Yeah, it was set in the future. This is the we are in the future. But we are now in 2019 and there was a lot of conversation about will they come back in twenty nineteen because I was actually only listening to it earlier on and at the end like dr death who's like the radio voiceover who's it's it, another concept album and um, he says you know goodbye for now sort of thing um i know you'll miss me and there was a lot of conversation about will Mike Kevin come back in 2019 like obviously 2019 the umbrella academy which is jared way's jared way's comic that was released on netflix um will they come back who knows you've got another seven months to find out yeah, I, I, I can't see it happening. I
0: would love it. I never got to see them live. Did you not? No. And when they last played here in two thousand and eleven, um, they were giving away tickets on the radio because that was um Brian and Dara. Yeah. The lock the lock-in was it or the lockdown or the lock-in? The lock-in I think. Yeah. yeah. And they were giving away tickets. And I, I, I've won blink tickets, I've won like, all sorts of tickets off it, but a girl I know who was like a huge, huge fan of my cam won them inside of me, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm happy. I'll catch them the next time. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, just didn't happen. I did get to see Jared play at Reading and Leeds. It was Leeds Fest I went to in 2014. So when he did, I mean, oh. It was as close as I was yeah. going to get. Like, you're making a face. Close, making it's a face. Close enough. Yeah, it was It was fine. I didn't, yeah. I didn't love that. Did, did you do any My Chem songs? No. And no. he said, he. I watched actually an interview the other day where he said, I don't know it was from, four years ago, but he said that when he was doing those tours, he didn't want to play My Chem stuff because he didn't want to set a precedent where people would expect him to always do that. Okay. Because I think he thought he was going to continue doing music and then he disappeared off the face of the earth for a while and then he ended up in
1: Wales. And it was a whole weird thing. Yeah, I was on his Twitter yeah. account the other day, um, doing a lot of research for this podcast. And he had something like, "Go follow this account for updates on Jared Way's life or something." Can't remember what the account was called. Um, but he hadn't tweeted himself since like twenty fifteen. Yeah, he literally just stepped back from everything. I think he had, I don't know, like
0: whether he just got kind of lost or wanted to spend more time with his family. Um, and then kind of got focused on Umbrella Academy and writing more i think he's still writing umbrella academy books i'm not mm-hmm. really sure what's going on there i think he
1: might have another one as well i can't remember the name of it but it was in his twitter bio so i can only assume um that he had been writing another comic or yeah. something else which is great at least we're getting some from jared way's brain yeah like he's
0: still working on stuff but i think he's just kind of he's done and i've seen frank Aguirre and the celebration and whatever one came after the celebration that's not... Because every... So, Frank Aero's band at the moment, they have a concept for each album, but he changes the band name for every concept. So, the first one was Frank Aero and The Celebration. Then there was Frank Aero and The... something. And then there <laughs> there's now Frank Aero and The Future Violence. Okay. See this? I did not know. Yeah. So, I've seen them twice. Three times? No. I went through like a a phase of having like i had really bad anxiety and i had like a sensory problem where loud noises would cause me to have panic attacks Mm. so i went to see frankie in the academy and somebody whistled really loudly like close by and i literally had a panic attack and had to go home so i saw saw them twice and was in the room to see them three times oh no yeah which kind of sucks but i got to see them i saw them in um bristol which is a weird place to go to. He supported Mallory Knox, which is really weird. Another band Yeah, Mallory. I travel I but I don't anymore, like I can't anymore. But I used to travel an awful lot for gigs. Like especially when you go to England, like tickets are like fifteen quid. They're dirty, yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's obviously because it's easier for them to get there and easier for them to get gear around and stuff, but like you'd spend like fifteen quid on a ticket and have the best time of your life. 15
1: euro on a Ryanair flight and yeah. and yeah I used well I used to be the same I think the last time I traveled to see a band was like last January a band called Karangbin which are like psychedelic rock like totally not emo um they were really really good um but other than that like I would have traveled a good, a good bit to see you meet six because I was really obsessed with them there for a while. Um their live gig final night sin i went to see them in, say hampton which was completely random but it was doing places i got tickets for belfast a couple of times um but other than that i think i've been pretty quiet in regards to traveling for gigs i think it's definitely only been a me at six
0: yeah like there's no but i mean the next band i'm gonna see is fever 333 and it's the singer he used to be in let live if you remember that from a couple of years ago Um like that's the next thing I'm going to go see there's nothing like, and it's really quiet here as well like bands don't
1: really yeah, come here I mean, like I said earlier, we had You um, Meet came over in November, they played uh, the 10 year anniversary show for Take Off Your Colours, before that I can't remember the last you know, emo band that I went to see Yeah, like I had tickets to see Cute is what we aim for, no, I had those tickets
0: and then they cancelled and then I found out some stuff that he'd said online, originally when the Me Too stuff came out. And it was really stupid and ignorant. And then he apologised, because people were like, uh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Um. And then they, like, he he was, like, basically schooled. And he did apologise genuinely, but I was still like, that's dodgy as all hell. Um. It was basically just, like, women are stronger than that. And you're like, no. Mm. It was real, like, he wanted to, to be on the side of, like, women aren't weak, because that's what he thought people were saying. Okay. And he completely got the wrong end of the stick. And it was like really shitty when I read it and then I read his apology and his apology was a lot better than most apologies we have seen. And it was just like a completely ignorant thing he said. But yeah. I think had I seen that before, I would have been really mad. What is you um, off going? Um, probably like I do think that's another episode we need to Definitely. talk about, like what would actually stop you going to see a band because as we know, over the last couple of years a lot of bands have been added for doing really shitty things, especially in the era of Me Too, we've had a lot of people come forward and say, This happened to me, this happened to me. Um something has happened to a friend of mine actually a few years ago that she was really brave and came forward and said, um, and that drama is still ongoing which is really sad and really shit because other people are now involved in it too. And um I just think like when you are a teenager, you're really trusting. And even yeah. if you like are attracted to people in the band you don't really know what it is you're expecting yeah to happen so like if somebody were to give you that kind of attention or apply you a drink or do whatever like i I don't know how i would have reacted as a kid to that and like obviously not every experience is mine like maybe some people did think they knew what they were getting into and then it didn't turn out that way but i do think that's something like a future future topic definitely to discuss
1: so i think we're gonna wrap it up we're gonna talk a little bit about maybe what kind of reunions would you like to see over the next you know 2019 what do you want to see happen
0: Ooh, um, obviously I would love as we said Mike M to come back yes. I don't think they will I think Jared's so resistant to the idea of doing like anniversary tours um. but a lot of bands are and then it comes around to it and then they kind of you know nostalgia and stuff kicks in so obviously that's going to be top of the
1: list Um, I'd love to see Hey Monday Remember oh hey Monday? my god yes yes I love for that to happen
0: like I know Cassidy is a pretty a Cassidy Pope um she went on the voice of america or whatever they call it yeah. over there um won and is now like a really successful country music star yeah. which good for you like her, yeah. some of her songs are really really good as well like she's amazing um and i would love like a even a one-off date maybe in england somewhere i might go i would love to see that as well.
1: yeah um whatever happened to metro station oh gosh i have no idea i know like they met on the side of hannah montana um, the two, two guys, I think, obviously, Trace Cyrus, and Wiley Cyrus's brother, and then Mason Musso was the brother of the guy from Hannah Montana. I don't remember what his name was. Oliver or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was bizarre and <laughs> the least emo thing to happen, um, <laughs> hanging out on the set at Hannah Montana. Um, but I think I would actually like to see them. I really would. I remember there was that tour... Believers never die, and yes. it was like Hey Monday, Metro Station, Fall Boy, Cobra Starship, and there was another band. But I remember that being like my dream lineup. Really, really wanted to go and see that. Sounds amazing. Um, um, I think all time low with the fifth band actually. Yes. Cherry on top of the
0: of cake. Course, for you there, of, course Corey. <laughs> of course they were. Of course they were. Cobra Starship, you were. I remember. I just remember this from like because we didn't really talk that much online, but like I remember. Big, like Facebook interactions, and you were obsessed with Cobra Starship. It was, I always like, whenever I thought of Cobra Starship, I'd be like, Claudia really likes <laughs> them.
1: Yeah, I like, they weren't really, their music wasn't really indie and or emo, even. I think they kind of got their association, at least for me, I knew them through Fallout Boy. Uh, Gabe and Pete were really good friends, um, and they were on the same record label as well. I was obsessed with Cobra Starship. I remember when I found out I won the meet and greet um, with Cobra Starship, I like fell to the floor. <laughs> And started to cry. Super, super dramatic. <laughs> Very dramatic. Um, yes, yeah, so we met them. The meet and greet was amazing. Um I have a photograph that is just awful. We'd queued all day, obviously, so we get front row, but it didn't matter that we whether or not we'd get front row because we had meet and greet tickets. Um and in the meet and greet, obviously our phones died. Um and we have one really really bad picture. It's pixelated. It's really dark. It was taken in the green room in the academy downstairs, just in like bar lighting conditions. Um, can we put it on the Instagram? Yes. Even though it's horrible, can you, we put? Yeah. yeah, I don't think we'll be able to make it out, but we'll definitely pop it up one. <laughs> just on the circle Instagram. your face. And yeah, sure if I it. can figure it out, it's very 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 dark. Um, I'd love to see them. A band called Family Force Five supported them. Do you remember them? No. They were like Christian metal emo,
0: right? What a genre!
1: If, yeah, it's a mashup. All of their their like their albums are really good and really like you know kind of metally emo, but they were about Jesus and God. But they were kind of really good. There was a lot of Christian rock
0: bands that kind of. I mean, like Paramore started out as that. Yeah. And then there was. I remember like Skillet.
1: Yes. Um. I don't think it's Reliant a little... K I don't know how you, that's pronounced I think it, Reliant, yeah. K? Reliant, yeah, Reliant K, K. yeah you still love them they were kind of Christian rock as well yeah
0: it was really strange how many of those bands like became as famous as they did yeah and then I don't know I'm sure we've forgotten loads for the reunion but like obviously top
1: of 2019 wish list is my camp. 100% so that's it for this week and thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast kids from yesterday if you'd like to find us you can get us on instagram we're at kids from yesterday pod and we are on twitter as well we are at kids from y day pod so that's spelled y d a y
0: yeah if you're if you're listening make sure you share it share with your friends tell people i don't know share post it on your instagram story (laughs) and tag us so we can share it too we want to be friends we, do, we, we need friends. <laughs> we don't have any friends. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.